That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey gang, we'll jump into the show here in just a second. But first, if you're only listening to the free portion of the Bob Seska Show on Apple Podcasts and so on, you're only hearing the first hour. There's an additional 20 minutes of show after the end credits roll, and it's all happening on our Patreon page. Of course, I'm talking about the postmortem show at patreon.com slash show or simply bobseskashow.com. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, and it'll only cost you $5 per month, and you'll be supporting this fully independent podcast. Don't miss out. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you in advance. And now, let the cartoons be begin the bob seska show bob seska bob seska you really are sick the bob seska show From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, July 28, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 190 of the Biden-Harris administration, 468 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. So whenever I have Cliff Schechter on the show, I sometimes think to myself, does Cleta Mitchell remember his takedown of her on MSNBC so many years ago? You got If you haven't seen the clip, you got to go to YouTube, search for Cliff Schechter, Cleta Mitchell, and MSNBC. You can thank me later. Anyway, we're talking with Cliff Schechter today, the co-host of the Unprecedented Podcast, patreon.com slash unprecedentedpod and sexyliberal.com. I got to ask Cliff today about the increasingly monetized disinformation industry in America, the Red Hat Entertainment Complex, as I've been calling it, and how it's impacting the pandemic, our politics, whether America can endure with so many people making millions and millions and millions of dollars on nothing but lies and nonsense. I also want to get Cliff's reaction to the 1-6 Select Committee, of course, the hearings from yesterday, whether there will ever, ever, ever be a crisis in this country in which we leave politics behind, even just briefly. Lots to discuss today, so let's get down to it. Meantime, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreon.com slash Show. Okay, let's catch up with the great Cliff Schechter. How old are your boys now? They are 14 and 11. So neither of them are eligible for a vaccine, right? No, my older guy got it thankfully. Oh, hey, great. Yeah. The pain they asked is the younger guy because we have to, you know, like he's going to be 12 and that's what you need to be is 12. Yeah. Unless they, they lower the age. They've said they may have, you know, they may be able to do that soon if they think that, you know, whatever tests they have to pass. But he's he's got about four months until, you know, he's going to turn 12. And that's what's such a royal pain they ask because, Everything we've read about the viral load is you may not get really sick if you have the vaccination, if you can get the Delta thing, but mm. you still can pass it on to people. Yeah, yeah. They really don't want to give it to him. What's your policy for your household? What have you and your wife set up in terms of being kind of a kind of a mixed household? You've got one person in there who doesn't have the vaccine. Um, we are, for, for a little while, pre-Delta variant, mm. we were starting to go some places yeah. You know, eat some meals indoors, mm-hmm. still in places we tended to trust and where they were spacious yeah. and we were not near people. <laughs> we wore masks <laughs> everywhere else, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the most part. Um, and, but now we're going to start pulling back on eating meals and stuff like that. I mean, we're still not 
we're not Louisiana or Arkansas or Missouri or one of these places that's freaking blowing up. Oh yeah. So yeah. at least that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, you still have to be careful. And I live in a, a neighborhood within a city, within a County, all of which gets better and better when you look at it in terms of the vaccination rate. Oh, that's I mean, good. Probably in my neighborhood of, of Cincinnati, you know, the kinds of people that live here, the education level, the vaccination rate, something like 85% or more. Oh, know, that's it's very so high. great. Yeah. That's really good yeah. to hear. And in fact, Ohio generally is doing reasonably well in terms of new infections. So as you were saying, yep. you know, like it's not Missouri, it's not Florida. So in that sense, there's some relative safety there, I think for you guys. That's the way. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, but I don't want to take anything for granted. And, 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 you know, I get that, that he's, you know, he's, he's a, serious soccer player and in good health. And, hmm. and as an 11 year old, it probably wouldn't, you know, he'd probably be okay. It yeah. doesn't mean I want him to get it. We don't know what the long-term effects are of any of this. And, and, and so we're going to be, you know, the other three of us being fully vaccinated, we're going to be still as careful as possible. It's, but, yeah. you know, luck, I guess some of it is that, it, you know, in, in a way, if this, this craft's going to happen, at least it's happening at a time where it's not the winter. Because yeah. we can still do most things outdoors. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I went out with him for dinner last night, and we went to one of these places, you know, that is fully open. Like, there's a roof, and there's no sides. You know what I'm saying? Oh, right, so yeah. Kind of like a gazebo. Yeah, I've seen places like yeah. that. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, he he still wore his mask when he walked in and walked out. Mm-hmm. He had to take it off when he ate. And I figure that level of safety, we're really lowering the chances by a hell of a lot. Um, but fully indoor stuff i don't think we're gonna we're really gonna you know do or we're gonna try to hold off so taking him to the pool i feel safe you know taking him even you know stuff like that but when it comes to indoor things or an outdoor pool that we belong to yeah but when it comes to like indoor stuff we you know we gotta get we gotta make it and and luckily i guess i would say i think we got a good chance because by the time it starts getting cold his birthday will be before that uh, so is is he feeling left out where everyone else has been vaccinated and he hasn't? And does he feel like he's like not the black sheep necessarily because it's not his choice, but does he feel like uh oh crap, I'm the only one now and I wish I wasn't? Well, I mean, he's a confident guy. He probably wouldn't, except for we all pummel him because of it and make fun of him and like, you know, like just beat on him, like like the stuff from like full metal jacket. We put soap inside of like the pillowcases. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't red every day don't start you know. calling him private pile whatever you do do not <laughs> exactly. call him private pile from what i remember that does not end well <laughs> no um, no it does not and it wouldn't end well for you either if no. you're sergeant if, if i'm Hartman. the drill sergeant in this analogy uh not well for me either. <laughs> unless i'm even if i'm private joker i don't think eventually things went that great for him either no it took definitely longer. not yeah it's exactly in right any case uh-huh. To, to, to leave the world of metaphor and me being the kind of dick that makes jokes about beating my son up. Um, <laughs> I love the kid. He's awesome. He's, he, he, I don't think in any way, you know, he just feels, he just feels a little sad, right? Yeah, that, that yeah. We obviously can't do the things, everything we want to do. And, and, and I think for kids, I, I think that not everybody's taken into account the, some of the emotional kind of mm-hmm. impact of all of this, like yeah. their lives have been upended in a way. None of us, I mean, you know, most of the time when you're a parent, you're like, you can go to the kids and be like, I've been through this. Yeah. You know, like I can't, I can't offer any advice here and neither can the two generations or three before me. None of us have been in this situation and and it's disrupted things a bit and disrupted relationships with friends and, and, you know, I think taken away, I mean, talk about losing your innocence early on in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, your fear about what's out there in the world. Yeah. My God. What was that conversation right. like? The f- very first conversation, COVID becomes a thing uh, 14, 16 months ago. Uh, what was the conversation that you had with your boys about it? I mean, it had to have been some variation of, well, you got to be careful now because people out there are breathing poison. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't that <laughs> harsh, but I mean, how did you present it to them? How did you, you and your wife deal with it? It's like everyone is the monster next to you. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like a... Um, it wasn't easy. I mean, we sat, so yeah, at the time they're, they're 13 and 10. We, we sat down, 
what ended up happening. So my older son, which I know you'll love with, with the good musical taste you have <laughs> is a rock and roll drummer and a singer and oh, literally wow. just taught himself dream on, on keyboards because he can do stuff like that. Oh, He's great. so much smarter than I am. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and so, and he did a version. He loves Aerosmith. That's his favorite band, which I'm so happy about that. that it's yeah. Not like, yeah. You know, good. I love Ariana Grande. I'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There are far worse bands that he could be into, uh, recording artists that right. he could be into these days. That's for sure. <laughs> like, you want to like Ariana Grande? You can do that. Do that on your own time. Though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That on family time. No, I mean, he, you know, we, and the irony is we saw Aerosmith. So it was a year ago, February. This is relevant mm. to what you asked me. Yeah. We went out for the their February break that they get. We went out to Vegas. My kids definitely heard all rock and roll for me and my wife, either a combo of rock and roll, 80s music, mm-hmm. you know, the 90s sort of stuff, the kind of stuff we love. And they they started getting into it. So we took them to a Bruce show in Pittsburgh, which was a blast. Yeah. You know, we took them to some, to, to see certain other bands of Ride Em Heart, Train, this, that, the thing. But then Aerosmith was doing a, a residency in, in Vegas. Um, and so we went over the last February holiday. And it was right then that we were we were staying in, in Vegas the the, the was the, at the the uh, GM what Grand what am I I'm mixing up what I'm, but but in case MGM Grand that's what yeah. I'm looking for and but we're walking around and we're starting to hear people talk about this new virus that's out there mm-hmm. you heard about this this COVID thing that's coming and whatever and even people invade but we didn't know anything about it we got back and we had plans it was literally the the final day of their spring break in March we had plans to go down and see my mom who spends winters in florida mm-hmm. and we were like we realized we had to cancel my son did his show that he i think i don't remember what he did what did he do oh he did the drums for love stinks which is awesome oh wow um, he, he did that for for their talent show this is a year and a few months ago <laughs> and then like the school announcer like this is the last time we're having a get together we, we're going to shut down a few weeks after spring break to try to figure this out and of course they never went back yeah and that's when we started talking to the kids I and mean, yeah and that conversation was just look guys like this happened like a hundred years ago. It's happened in other countries. You've read about certain things, mm-hmm. you know, at least the, 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 uh, for you guys, you know, if the worst happens and you get it, it seems to be a very, very low rate of people getting seriously sick. Um, you know, where we, and, and what they always know is they, they know more than a lot of kids because their mom and dad have worked in politics and nonprofits and, you know, and they <laughs> hear more, sure. right? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, the night that Trump won and we were expecting Hillary to win, like, you know, they, they probably saw the looks on our faces. I know they did. And we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> do they do they ever say, OK, mom, dad, enough politics. Stop talking about politics. Do, they, do you ever get that? They do. And I appreciate that about <laughs> them because I sometimes, <laughs> I sometimes yeah. worry because, mm-hmm. you know, my older son will say things like, like, you know, like, I don't hang out with that guy. He's a Republican. I'm like, OK. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like. I, I, I get that on some level, but we do have some family members we love who are, and we do have some, uh, some other people we know. And like, we gotta, we gotta not make, we gotta find the balance between our values, which mm-hmm. what are, what infuses our politics are important. Yeah. And yet at the same time, we don't want to, we don't want to right away be like writing every people off and it's finding a balance, but they know more and they've heard more. So I don't think, it was the kind of out of nowhere thing it might be with some people, you know, because sadly they'd heard of horrible things that had happened in the world mm-hmm. because they hear us talking about stuff. I'm on the board of the innocence project, which I know, you know, you've helped us out a lot Bob, by making amazing videos. Oh, well, th- um, thank uh, you. The, it's, a, Ohio. it's an amazing privilege. Thank you for letting me be a part oh, of that. Yeah. You're, well, we're our privilege to have you be a part of it, but, and so they've heard me, you know, talking about, Ricky Jackson, who was in prison for 39 years mm-hmm. for something he didn't do, yeah. and and you know the fact that a witness was threatened and and to be beaten and his family beaten by the police so that he testify against him. So they they're not they were they never were so naive as to think that these things that the world can't be a, an ugly place. But I do think this is a whole different level. And so we just had to sit down and keep telling them like be like, look guys, you know we don't know what the long term effects of this are. At least the mortality rate seems low, mm-hmm. particularly your age group. But we're gonna, you know, we believe in science, and they understood that because we've talked about that. We believe in science. We believe in statistics. We believe in what's real, you know. And we're gonna we're gonna follow everything we can, and you know we're gonna come together as a family and do what we can to 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 protect ourselves. But I think the other thing we try to instill in our family, and I think this is what really gets me. And I'm not saying this to like pump myself up or my family. I'm far from perfect. You know, I can be a complete asshole just, you know, as a warning to everybody. Of course but, you can. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, we believe in, in a democratic society. We believe in a public good. 
Yeah. Which means everything that happens for, for our society to work in the way it's supposed to, it can't just be what's good for me. You know, that you're going to go see people at times, members of your family who are older and aren't in, in as good shape. You're going to come across people that maybe have had certain you know, diseases or certain whatever, like who are more vulnerable to this. And we have to think about them, too. Yeah. You know, and so we're going to do what's best. We're going to, you know, we're going to give up some of our freedom. We're going to give up some of our ability to go around and do stuff, but we're going to do it because it's what's best for everybody. Mm. And in that way, that's probably a good lesson, frankly. Yeah. It sucks that it had to be learned this way. And and, and I, the last thing I'll say about it is I thought finally we're coming out. And of course now, because I was starting to feel comfortable, as I said, we tepidly sort of put our toe, dipped our toe back in the, in the shallow water. And we've <laughs> gone to some places that where we felt were, you know, good restaurants where we knew that, that we knew the people there, or we knew that the, the, the fact that these are places that don't, don't need a big COVID outbreak. It would destroy them yeah. because the, the, you know, and all that. And, and we made sure that we were set in areas where we were spaced from people somewhat, but we just started doing that, you know, after we were all vaccinated and being careful with my youngest son and having him wear a mask everywhere, except for where he was eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now it looks like we may have to back away from that a little bit. We slowly have, and I've, I've actually, even myself now, um, I'd stopped wearing a mask here and there indoors, like the big places that I know get people from all over, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like there's a lot of people and I don't feel like I trust as much supermarkets, whatever. I kept wearing it, but places like our little local coffee shop here, where I'm in and out in a minute or two mm-hmm. or whatever. And I know most of the people in there and they're, they're well-educated folks who I know are all vaccinated. We have conversations and whatever I felt like. But now even there, yeah. one one person wanders in who I don't know and is unvaccinated and ends up getting me sick. You know, even if it's not serious for me, I give it to my 11 year old. I mean, how would I feel about that? I'd, I'd hate <laughs> yep. myself. Yeah. That what you just said, that's the key to all of this. There are so many people who are approaching this as if it's all about them and whether they personally get sick and whether they should get vaccinated. It's not just about them. It's about everyone around them. Frankly, speaking for myself, if I get sick, fine, I'll deal with that. What would destroy me is getting my family sick or getting Kimberly sick or getting Kimberly sick and then Kimberly getting her niece sick and the chain of people and infection goes on and on and on. And that's that's the thing that I can't possibly begin to fathom. Well, well that's what's so frustrating about all of this, right? I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, if you ever read like Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you ever read that or not, but... I mean, it, it was applicable to marketing, but it was applicable and he purposely made it to social phenomenon. Like I remember he covered one island, you know, in the Pacific where there were a rash of suicides because it started becoming the thing that kids did. Wow. Right. And yeah. like if you were upset you, and it's horrible, you got to find ways to break those patterns. Yeah. But to me, the pattern we got here is and this is the, what Mitch McConnell and all these ghouls could could, you know, I guess didn't he, he obviously probably either didn't care enough or couldn't imagine, which is, yeah, you're getting this guy in office and with him, you're getting your judges and your whatever, but he will, he, you know, you've, there's been some sort of maladjusted sociopaths on your side, you know, Mm -hmm. Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, plenty of them, but nobody quite like this guy, nobody with the level of viciousness, the level of cruelty, you know, the, 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 the outrageousness. And, And you can't put that back in a box because that's a cultural thing. So once he's doing that regularly and all his people are seeing it, that inspires, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene probably lying in a pit somewhere, you know, doing tantric sex with God knows who and, and whatever, you know, was like, hey, I can run for office now and be this evil person. Like it inspires people. Yeah, right. To, to behave. A, it, it, it brings all the worst dregs out of society. And it also inspires people that maybe thought these things but didn't have the courage to say them. Now they're like, well, I can say them. And so like, that took over not just the whole Republican Party, but so you know, or most of it, but so much of our culture. And like I was watching that idiot Republican Congressman Chip Roy screaming on the floor today, you know, mm-hmm. um, about oh my god, you know, because he wanted to get rid of the mask mandate, and all Democrats and seven Republicans, only seven in the House, voted to keep the mask mandate. And you and and so he starts screaming, and he's like, which is it, vaccines or, or, or you know, or yeah. masks and all this stuff? And I just sort of like. 
I, I'm going to remind myself again and make sure it's okay. I can curse on your show plenty. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Curse away. And I want to be like, listen, you fucking bald mother. I want to just grab him by his fucking goatee and be like, listen, you selfish piece of shit. You. All right. We've yeah. lost 620,000 people. Mm. We're fucking dead now. Mm-hmm. How many people who, 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 are, who, who, because of their stints in hospitals will never be the same. Their lungs will never be the same. Their body will never function the same. You know, we've traumatized kids. We've, I mean, we've done all this stuff. And you, who are supposed to be an adult, you're fucking yelling because on the floor because the thing you're most upset about mm-hmm. is you might have to put a mask on, you goddamn selfish motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, that's what I want to say at all. I've just, I've had it, like, with the unvaccinated. I've had it with the people screaming and yelling about that they have to make a sacrifice for the common good. Poor Chip Roy. Yeah. Life must be really tough, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you have to wear a mask when you're inside the chamber. Because that's a way of keeping other people safe. Because of something his own disciples have done and the disciples of Donald Trump have done. Make no mistake, what this is, is this is like like a shitty rock and roll band destroying their hotel room at the Howard Johnson's. And then as soon as the, you know, the uh, uh, room service guy comes in, they say, hey, look, look what you've done in here. You've ruined my hotel room. And the room service guy is like... I just came here to bring you pancakes. You know, that's what I mean. They're, they're ruining the place and then saying, why won't you believe the science? Why? Well, and what now you guys are talking about science. Why get vaccinated? If you're so into the science, get your people vaccinated for God's sake, then we don't have to worry about masks. Right. And so finally that it took all of this to get at least some of these assholes. Yeah. To get Mitch McConnell to speak up more about getting vaccinated to get, I saw something from Roy Blunt the other day. And I was like, that's great. Here's this guy, this old sort of more old line Republican who I find to be more guilty. The Rob Portman's and Roy Blunt's and ones who've been around for a while who just whistled past the graveyard and sort of kept their mouths shut as the lunatics took over the asylum, you know, when they could have stood up. And I, and I want to say, Ian Roy Blunt, of course, is leaving now because I'm sure it's gotten even too ugly for him. Yeah. He's like, oh, I can't just vote like an asshole and keep my mouth shut anymore. You know, I, to, to get reelected now, you have to actually be an outward asshole, mm-hmm. right? A performative asshole like Eric yeah. Brighton's and attack women and God knows what else you need to do. And so so he's, you know, he's and finally he stands up. And yeah, I retweeted it and I appreciate it. And I, it's good because maybe he'll convince some people. I did see that we had our biggest day of vaccinations yesterday since I think July 1st or 2nd. So I mean, you know, like it, it it does seem like him opening his mouth, even if Hannity later took it back, even on that one Fox news show telling people to get vaccinated, you know, having that, that freaking former Klansman, what's his name? Uh, the, which one, right? Yeah, um, exactly. They're Steve, all former Klansmen. They're all current Steve Klansmen. Scalise. Yeah. yeah, Steve Scalise. Right. Steve yeah. Scalise, who finally, I mean, Louisiana, another place that literally is being torn apart right now mm-hmm. because of its low, it's, you know, these are all places, you know, this is a place with a 33, 35% vaccination rate. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, you think about the math of that. Every time you walk into, if you were to walk into a bar without a mask on, how many of the people there, the majority of people on average, depending on what neighborhood you're in, probably the majority of people are, are not vaccinated. That's right. You know, and so so finally this guy does it six months after he had access, three months before I did, you know, or you or anybody else probably. Uh, and he finally, he makes a big deal of it. It's like, well, I, I appreciate you guys are doing it and now it's heading in the right direction. But like you assholes couldn't have done this four months ago. And, and the other thing is about Scalise is that he was particularly uh, vulnerable to it because he was shot and almost died right. a few years ago. So I imagine, I mean, I don't know what the extent of his injuries were, but uh, it seems like someone who sustained that level of injury at some point would be a little bit more susceptible to the virus. So taking so long to get vaccinated. The thing that I can't get beyond, Cliff, I'd love to get your take on this, is will there ever be a crisis or will there ever be a time in which politics is left at the water's edge and then we all come together? Like I imagine like the post 9-11 era, the first two weeks or so before politics kind of reemerged, there was a period of time in which everyone was kind of on the same page. No one was trying to demonize anything or anyone else. And we were all just Americans for that period of time. Is there ever going to be a time for that again? Because it seems like the lesson that we're learning from COVID, among many other lessons, is that, well, no matter what happens, it's going to be brutally politicized. And that's what we're seeing now with the vaccinations, with masks, everything having to do with COVID. Well, I want to, I mean, so, I mean, in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that, that we can get back to a time of where, you know, at least the majority of people in office 
you know, are acting in good faith mm -hmm. and the carnival barkers, there's always a few of them, you know, in the eighties, Jesse Helms stood in a corner and screamed and yelled and still acted like he did. Yeah. You know, Bob Dornan, if you remember that mm -hmm. idiot, B one Bob, um, <laughs> That's right. I've got, know, I forgot like, about that. These, yeah. I mean, these folks have been there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, but I, you know, the, the perfect metaphor or perfect comparison is probably the better way of putting it is remember B one Bob himself on the Republican convention floor floating, the idea about Bill Clinton, this is 1992, um, going to, to, to being recruited by the KGB and going to Russia because he went to Russia on like some sort of a spring break or whatever when he was at Oxford. I don't know if you remember all this, yeah. if you were paying attention back then or not. Oh, yeah. And, and people were just – and everybody was just like, shut the fuck up. You know, like like he was just a clown in the corner, right? Yeah. He was one. He was Marjorie Taylor Greene, but instead of like it being Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Madison Cawthorn and Louis Gohmert and Chip Roy, you know, and go on and on and on, and, and it being a majority of their caucus, there are a couple of clowns. The problem now, Bob, is I, I, I as I see it, is and not not to cast aspersions on your your podcast here or my lovely podcast, unprecedented. <laughs> you should all listen and subscribe. But um, but like we've but. Part of it's internet, but I would take sort of like I take three kind of evolutions, mm -hmm. if you will. First, cable TV yeah. coming about. Then uh, the the next level was it would would be just internet in general, and people you know email lists and all this kind of garbage and the way people fundraise on fear and the rest. Somebody I know wrote a book. Was it One Country Under Fear or something like that? I feel like <laughs> that guy might know something about this. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> I, buy I, that I remember no one bought it. And that's all I remember about that book, whoever that was. who uh, I feel bad well, for guys, the author of that book. They say timing is everything, Bob. <laughs> they say timing is everything. Yeah. That book coming out after the Democrats took back the House and and in 2006, probably, you know, it, yeah. it caused some problems. <laughs> I've gotten screwed by timing more than you can imagine. Right. But, um, but uh, and then the next level being the sort of world of social media and, and the ability for people to all gatekeepers being gone and the ability to people to sort of monetize their mania. Yeah. In your case, you're monetizing good information on your own. You're sharing people. You're entertaining people. You're doing that with your podcast. I hope we're doing the same with ours. Yeah. But, you know, Substack and podcast and all this have been like, you know, along with the way to promote them via social media, mm -hmm. it's kind of that third stage of evolution. And all this to me seems to create a situation where – all the incentives and because the barriers are down now, right? Mm -hmm. The parties have open primaries. The parties used to choose people and, and, you know, everybody hates the smoke filled rooms, but that's how they used to choose so that you didn't get a lunatic. They picked sort of relatively center left, center right, moderate esque type folks. Well now, because it's all sort of open, right. And people have so much the ability to monetize this. You can be a, a lunatic like a, a Glenn Greenwald mm -hmm. or, you know, um, or, uh, I mean, just think of, I mean, Tucker Carlson's doing it on Fox News, so maybe that's not the right. But, like, you know, be a complete conspiracy theorist asshole, and now I have a Substack for you to subscribe to. That's right. You know, and so you grab your piece of the market. The difference is, is that we're not talking about your. You're not selling bottled water. Mm. You know, you're not selling like you know some sort of a toy. You're selling something, selling an idea that kills people. Yeah. And your will, and you are such a ghoul, you being one, not you, Bob, that you can do this via social media and be creating a brand quote unquote for yourself. And, and so that's, that's my problem is I can't figure out unless we start treating, realizing that free speech is not absolute, yeah. that inciting riot is something that we used to enforce in the past that, you know, when senators stood up and wouldn't accept Abraham Lincoln's election in, in 1860, they were thrown out of the Senate. All right. That we, that, you know, I'm not saying all these means are, are perfect, but like right now, when we're letting disinformation flow, when we're not saying, you know, we're not holding people responsible for when they knowingly say things that can get large numbers of people killed. And I get there's a balance here. I'm a writer and I'm a talker. And so it means I believe strongly in the First Amendment. Yeah. But I don't believe in, in, in the kind of First Amendment where I sit there and I give I encourage people to go you know, lynch somebody or to go harm people or to go, you know, and tell people something horrible about somebody and, you know, wink, wink at them. Oh, yeah. You go take care of it. Like. You know, like that, that's, I mean, to me, where does, where does that stop? I know exactly what you're talking about. In fact, I was going to ask you about this very thing. And there's, I think, a distinction to make. And I've been really kind of doing some soul searching about this and really thinking about this as a topic, the political entertainment industry, or as I sometimes refer to it as the uh, Red Hat Entertainment Complex. And right. there are, 
I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands of Trump disciples, uh, whether they're elected officials, whether they're Republican Party leadership or all the way down the line, who are their incomes are fully dependent on continuing to deliver disinformation to their gullible fanboys. That is the money they make. That is the industry they have built now. And the conclusion I've reached, Cliff, is that it's not a political entertainment industry. It's not just about politics. What they're doing, what the Red Hats are doing, what Trump disciples, Trump adherents, Q adherents, on down the line, what they are doing is they're monetizing disinformation. It's a disinformation entertainment industry. It's an industry of fiction being pumped into the gullets of all of these fanboys like foie gras ducks. I mean, that's what's happening. They're all lined up. They're being filled with the bullshit, lies, disinformation, all of the stuff to keep them freaked out and willing to do whatever they need to do in order to continue handing over their money to the Red Hat Entertainment Complex. And that's the key. It's like televangelism. It's like faith healers going from town to town. Yeah, yeah. Saying, but I've talked about this so much. It, it's They borrow from that. Yeah. The despicable uh, Huckabees. <laughs> I hate Huckabees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the despicable Huckabee family. And, uh, you know, a classic example is, in, you know, Mike Huckabee's looking for, for a grift. Mm-hmm. So the first time he becomes a pastor. Right. Right. Um, just, the, you know, and just the way the first time uh, Mike Pence is looking for a grift, he becomes a radio, a talk radio show host, a right wing radio show host, the way Donald Trump becomes a reality star. You know, but we'll go back for a second to Huckabee. But I'm just trying to make the point that these are all the same basic beast. Yes. Right. They're trying to monetize entertaining uh, their entertainment and entertainment based upon fear, mm-hmm. anger, hatred, jealousy any negative sort of emotions and that's what they're trying to do mike huckabee realizes at some point the even better grift is to run for office so he stops being a preacher he runs for governor he's elected because he can, he's damn good at selling bullshit and here's how seamlessly he goes between these worlds which is you know when, between when he the two times he ran for president um he had you know he bought the newsmax email list which Jesus Christ! I mean, talk about your Star Wars bar. Of emails. Yeah, yeah, Imagine totally. What the fuck's on that thing? You're like, I mean, in any case, and, talk about your Star and, Wars bar. I mean, exactly. and this guy emailed. Sorry, but I mean, think think about like the two headed beasts that are probably on this thing. Uh huh. Like, you know, the 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 Balchinians from Men in Black. You know, and uh, in any case, um, so. These guys are like, you know, so what is what does Huckabee send out? And I feel like for me, I don't know if there's a book in this. I don't know if there's a podcast in this, but I want to do something with this because I don't think enough people talk about this, which is mm-hmm. so he sends out a mass email to people using his background as a politician, his background as a pastor, really the latter more a biblical cure for cancer is what oh, he's sending God. people. And that the son of a bitch did that. And I'm not a lawyer, but how that isn't something that he had to know. He mm. was fleecing people. How that's not a, every bit the same kind of con yeah. uh, that, that that somebody who would walk up to you on the street and be like, I'll make you prettier for 50 bucks. Yeah, know, or you, with it. you can go to heaven and be with Jesus if you give me $100 right now. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if you looked at some of those overhead pictures of the home that Joel Osteen lives in. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I've seen that. And, and the, the he just bought a new plane yeah. with his PPE money that we, out of our taxes. And, like, this is the guy that, that when they were having the floods there would not let people in until he was shamed into it, into his church. He's a fucking con man. Yep, 100%. But the same way they hide behind politics, he hides behind religion. And we've let this whole complex grow. And the problem is, is that there's always going to be enough people that are greedy as shit and have literally no conscience. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and so the, the right wing, Rick Perlstein, if you ever read some of his great books, wrote a piece on this, I think, back in the day. And he did a great job on it. It's always made me think of the seamless way within the way other grifts that play on your fear. The, you know, you're going to die. You know, the guy mm-hmm. sitting on the end of the street corner, like, I can tell you when you're going to die. Give me a donation or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just seamlessly fits in with, with the far right of the last sort of 20 years and as it's grown. And so I don't know how you demonetize that unless we do start saying you're responsible. If you con people, we're going to hold you to account. If you 
get people to behave in ways you know. I mean, how can Fox News argue? How can Tucker Carlson and them argue when they've had vaccine passports to get in and out of News Corp buildings, right? Mm-hmm. They all had to get vaccinated at News Corp. Yeah. They, you know, Rupert Murdoch got the damn thing, I think, before the Queen of England did. You know, like – when, when, when you see that, that kind of stuff and you know that these guys knowingly are doing this when they're vaccinated themselves, when they know that the protocols at Fox tell them that they have to be for safety, how is it that we can't – how is it there isn't a class action lawsuit and they're not destroyed? I keep thinking in terms of how do we bottle this or does it ever get bottled again? I mean I'm talking about – this uh, industry of disinformation, the economy of this is so massive that there's no real way that it can ever be shoved back into its tube. I mean, with televangelism, it was one thing because it was kind of limited. It was kind of fringe. There were, yeah, lots of people pumping their money into it. But ultimately, in a societal sense, it wasn't creating damage in the system. But now this Red Hat entertainment industry, the disinformation industry, is creating noticeable damage. But, we can but see again, it, that's right? the modern media. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of my point, Bob, is that even like Austin, you know, when I used to watch the Sunday morning shows before I came to the conclusion, they're all an absolute waste of my time, thankfully. <laughs> um, you know, like, like after on ABC, I think it was after like, you know, Stephanopoulos or whoever would be on. They'd go to like a, a, an Austin sermon or before he'd be on yeah. because they, he makes so much money. He's taking advantage of modern media. You know, these guys have. And that's the problem is modern media. It used to just be the fringes because you're right, because you had to stand on a corner with a bullhorn or in your church or whatever. Now you can be on cable TV. Now you can mm-hmm. be on Facebook. Now you can be on Twitter with with a million or two million followers. Yep. You know, I mean, the problem is, is that is that it, because, you know, there's the good side of all that. Right. I mean, I'm not taking away from that. Look, I'm on your show right here and you do a great job of educating and entertaining. Plenty of other people do, too. The problem is, is the down the downside of that is that all this stuff's out there. And you're exactly right. It is a disinformation industry. There are people who know it, it's much easier than getting a real job. Yeah. That if you all you need to do is have a little have a little bit of bullshit in your system and and, and lack, you know, the, the kind of shame and and the kind of, you know, respect for other humans. Mm-hmm. And like, it's all out there for you. Yep. I mean, I've seen it. There's a guy who's one of the top anti-vaxxers right now. I may have told you this before, who is this, this complete fucking dork I went to high school with who like is as socially awkward as like a piece of furniture in my, in the room I'm in here right now. Can't basically talk to people in person, but he's created this whole fake persona of, you know, how he's this this cool guy and he snaps back at people on Twitter and this and that and the other thing. And he comes from a liberal background, was a New York Times reporter. And so he realized the whole man bites dog bit of it, kind of like Greenwald being gay and Jewish and becoming a right winger. Right. Yeah. Uh, or Candace Owens being black and a woman, mm. you know, in his case, being being a guy with the background he had, the urban, well-educated liberal, you know, from the, the liberal background and then going all anti-vaxxer was going to be like that all these right-wingers would promote him and push him forward and be like, see, this guy, even this guy agrees with us. Yep. Now he's got 300,000 followers on Twitter. Of course, he started a Substack. Um, you know, his name's Alex Berenson, by the way. You've probably seen some of his bullshit. Mm. Um, I went to high school with him. And, and, and like, you know, I mean, he's he's created an industry. Yeah. He realized all you had to do is, is be as soulless as he is. And you re- and he realized he could, he could turn this into an industry and not have to get a real job because he'll get however many people to sign up for a Substack. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the problem is, is uh, that's where the regulations have to come in. You know, when you talk about putting this back in the bottle, we're not going to get people to suddenly have shame who don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think there's a perfect answer, but I will point out to you that uh, I think most people consider Germany at this point to be a free country. You're not allowed to 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 uh, put to share publicly Nazi symbols if mm-hmm. you do. It is against the law. You'll be fined. You might go to prison. Yeah. You yeah. know, in the United Kingdom, it, you are not allowed to say dishonest things about people knowingly on television. Fox News was kicked off of their of their system there. They do not have it. Canada, same deal. You know, it's the it, it, there's a reason why the country, some of the countries going through some of the worst shit right now, us in Australia, are where the Murdoch empire thrives. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there's free speech, but just like every other amendment in our constitution, every other constitutional right, you know, there's rights and there's responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think we've gone to the extreme end of like the First Amendment to where that we've, we've lost all sense that any responsibility comes with your speech. It's one thing if you're saying some stupid shit on a street corner. 
the minute that you're, you're you're broadcasting it out to hundreds of thousands of people, I don't care if it's on Twitter, I don't care if it's on TV. My belief is you now have a much bigger responsibility, and if you are saying things that you that you know are false and encouraging people to hurt themselves, as far as I'm concerned, you need to be held liable, and you would be in some of these other countries that are also considered democracies. Absolutely, and that's the only thing I can come up with as as an answer to this is yeah. that the United States needs to to. To, to really sort of do some soul searching and look at what some other democracies have done uh, and how they've found the balance between free speech but not being able to just open your mouth and endanger people. Okay, we'll get back to Cliff here in just one second. But first, if you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, I wish my under-eye bags would just disappear Well, you're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women until now. Introducing the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from the people at Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote, quote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and they haven't come back. I love the product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids, unquote. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and get 50% off all GenuCell packages for summer. Go to lovegenucell.com slash link in the description of bobseska.com lovegenucell.com slash stephanie thank you you know since i first started working on the internet which was 1997 i got my first job working on the internet and ever since then i have really enjoyed the kind of open free speech anything goes if you can think it you can do it on the internet right it's been So great, I think, for me, from a career perspective, speaking in a more cynical light, I've done reasonably well uh, with the Internet. But at the same time, while I do cherish free speech and I like, at least to an extent, the unregulated nature of the Internet, the problem is, is I feel like in order for us to endure as a society, eventually there are going to have to be regulations on how the internet is used regulations against how it's being abused right now, whether it's the cynical cash grabs that you see from people like Tucker Carlson and on down the line, Dan Bongino and Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens and all these people who are just cynically raking in money from gullible suckers, right? Eventually it seems like that's going to have to be reined in. Otherwise there's going to be chaos. We can't even begin to forecast, right? Well, and that's where I am right now. I'm already at that place, Mm -hmm. you know, where I feel like, uh, of course, and, you know, the Internet has has been uh, important to my business. Yeah. Right. As doing public relations, doing making TV, making ads, videos, all sorts of writing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I write for a publication that is not a publication people hand out anywhere. It exists online, the Daily Beast. You know, I mean, all these things. So so I'm, I'm not clearly I'm not saying that, but. I should be held responsible, as you should, yeah. as anybody else should, if we're purposely saying things that we know to be false, that either defame somebody. I don't care if they're famous or not. You know, this whole sort of, well, you're famous, so you can now say whatever you want about somebody, especially in the age of sort of Twitter mobs and the rest. I mean, if you get something out there about somebody that is not true, you can destroy their career. And the, we've set the bar so high on that stuff. Again, not the same in the United Kingdom. And sometimes it means we can't do certain stuff. Let me give you a great, great example. You know, um, the the when I wrote my book on McCain, which I'm sure you remember. Yes, the um, real back McCain. In the heady yeah. days mm-hmm. of 2008. I had a story. I had it from three different sources. They were all scared to put their names to it. I'm still in touch with one of them today. You know, all of whom were reporters who heard John McCain call. I can't say even say this, so I'll just call, heard him call his wife the c word. The c word. Yes, um, I remember. Yeah. yeah. And in the end, my book sort of – they probably sold more copies than almost anything else that I reported, I shared in that book. Yeah. Right? I mean all the stuff about his record and his, his temper. No, that one thing, it, John Stewart did a whole little skit on it where they had somebody playing McCain being angry and calling everybody the C word, you know, and <laughs> – <laughs> there was like there was like six months in which you were the McCain C word guy. That was there was a yes. portion of 2008 when you were all about the McCain C word story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that distinctly. Of all the copies of my book it sold. You know, my book <laughs> hit bestseller status That's on right. Amazon, and it's because of that, probably, almost definitively, <laughs> not because of anything intelligent that yeah. I said. If I did, even so, <laughs> so I mean, you, but but the classic example is there's only one time mm-hmm. where. 
I could not tell that story. And again, you could argue that it would have hurt my career, but I would make that sacrifice in a second yeah. for a democratic society. Trust me, which is when I went the, the, uh, a, the, whatever the biggest newspaper was in, in, um, Edinburgh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Is it the Scotsman? Maybe the Scotsman reached out to me and they want to do a full interview with me and, and talk about it. But they said I had to give them the names of my three sources off the record. Mm. And I went back to all three people and all three of them were like, no fucking way. Yeah. Like, we're already scared that we told you. <laughs> you know, we're not like, you know, you could, I'm not, we're not telling other. And so that was it. And, and, and the Scotsman in the end was like, sorry, we can't run with this story because we'll be sued. Yeah. Because in the United Kingdom, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't say three anonymous sources, but you know what? Maybe we'd all be better off. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, my point is, is that, that they have a different standard for, for libel and for slander over there. And it's a much tougher standard so that, you know, you have a different standard for lying. News stations cannot knowingly tell lies. As I said, that's what led Fox News to be pulled off the air in the United Kingdom. You cannot as I mentioned, the, the 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 Nazi symbols in Germany; those are just some examples. But like we have those, we we've chosen not to apply that mm -hmm. in this country. We certainly have some of those things. I can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Sure, I'm not allowed to do that. I do, and somebody gets trampled. I'm in serious shit. We're not allowed to threaten the president's life. Yeah, sexual harassment. Sexual harassment are words you are saying, mm. but you, we have now decided that certain words you say, sorry, you cannot say those words because they are harmful to people mm -hmm. in a work atmosphere. So we've done this. We've obviously decided that in certain places, certain times, certain atmospheres, words can be dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And yet we're not applying it to our public space, to our, the, our political culture. And I would argue, as you just said, we're going to need to regulate that stuff. I don't see how we exist as a society because – it now crosses borders, as you know. You've got you've got Russians and bots, and what I mean, there are too many people with a financial or a material, you know, with a material or a sort of a uh, who have a, a will to power and have an interest in causing chaos, causing injury or death that can use cable TV, social media, other things to do that. And the the one thing that concerns me about regulating the internet specifically is. How exactly does it happen? Like, I understand the notion of not gratuitously defaming someone. But at the same time, I get concerned about things like slap suits being weaponized. And there's quite a movement. I mean, the, the Republicans scream about cancel culture. They love cancel culture. They have embraced cancel culture with both arms and both legs. And they are just humping away at cancel culture. <laughs> and the they thing will that they hump it into submission. Yeah. And one of the weapons of choice that they love are defamation suits. And I'm talking about frivolous defamation suits. So while we're regulating the internet eventually, and I'm not even proposing any specifics as far as that goes, I don't know how it's going to work, but I think there needs to be car outs for the frivolous weaponized uh, lawsuits against public participation, which we see quite often happening. And, you know, whether it's uh, uh, well, Jason Miller or Devin Nunes, I could do a whole roster yep. of Republicans who are really abusing, yes. you know, the uh, defamation lawsuit process. I don't see this as one, you know, like you have to choose one or the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, the truth is, is that you, you, you get people who really have been defamed quite clearly. Yeah. Uh, or really have been threatened quite clearly. I've had people share their, you know, dox them or do other things to them that are harmful. And then you have exactly what you're pointing out, the cynical use. And look, that exists out there every day too. And that's just a whole other thing that we need to regulate and take care of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I had a cl former client who, who was going through some rough times and I did the work I was supposed to do, you know, and then he decided he didn't want me, he decided he changed his mind, didn't want to do this campaign anymore and wanted all of his money back after I'd done like two thirds of the work. Hmm. And I was wow. like, no, I'll give you half your money back. And then he sued me, you know, and I had to go to, a, I had to basically hire, I had to, not basically, I had to hire a lawyer oh, and, God. you know, other folks who, who, who were in a, who maybe were in a position where if they'd lost five or six or however many thousands I had to spend to get this ridiculous thing kicked out, it might've broken them. I was lucky that wasn't me. You know, but if it, then then this guy would have won. And this is what we know Donald Trump uses for years. Powerful people use this all the time. They just threaten. They know they'll drill, they'll they'll bleed you in court, which is a whole other thing. Again, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I, the answer to that is something different. As far as I'm concerned, there really need to be a sort of level of, as far you know, I don't know. You could probably do some of this of judges that their only thing they do is before any lawyers have to be hired, 
look at these kinds of suits mm-hmm. and for all of the ones that are frivolous and whatever, find the living shit out of people that do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that you never have to hire a lawyer. Somebody does one of these bullshit slap suits against you. You're talking about Bob. Mm-hmm. Fine. It goes to somebody, it goes to some panel of, of judges and they are the ones who deal with this kind of crap. And the minute they look at it and say, this is outrageous. And this person knew maybe the first time they get a warning, yeah. they start draining on our legal system after that. They start, they get increasingly very, very large fines. Because again, I don't want that either. Where people are just like, "I'm defamed and I'm whatever," you know. I, I'm I it, with like everything else. This is all about finding a balance. Mm-hmm. But we're we're way out of balance in a number of areas. And again, oh, yeah. you know, if we let anybody weaponize any disinformation online. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't think you got you said how to put that back in the bottle. I don't think we can mm-hmm. without some kind of regulation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm open to ideas. If anybody can figure out any other sort of ways to disincentivize people from doing that, who will not be disincentivized by shame because they don't have any, mm-hmm. you know, who will not be disincentivized uh, by, th- you know, any kind of threats, you know, not physical threats, but legal, whatever, because they're sociopaths, that there's nothing else that can stop them from, from, from doing this kind of stuff. You've got to find some other way. And yeah. I'm open to what those other ways are besides, I mean, maybe the, 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 you know, the court system is another way besides, Political, right? You know, are not political, but policy regulations. But whatever the, it is, we've got to figure it out because it's destroying us. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, I always wonder, and just as a thought exercise, mainly. Okay, for two years, we're shutting off the internet. There will be no internet in the United States. I know this is frivolous. It's not actually going to happen. Uh, make no mistake. But just as a thought Bob's exercise, threatening your internet, everybody. <laughs> Him. Yeah. What what would happen to American society if we just turned off the Internet for everything other than practical purposes like banking and so on? You need to have yeah. some sort of Internet for the infrastructure. But in terms of the information that we're receiving, the uh, activities we're engaging in online, if that was all shut down for two years. I wonder what we would be like coming out of that. And I can't help but think that we'd be a little bit more civilized. I think that it would actually improve our society a bit, right? As I talked about with the anti-vaxxer guy I was talking about, who literally couldn't say three words to your face in public because he'd probably vomit on himself. (laughs) But, like, does does it on Twitter, like... You know about this. And you and I did this. I remember joined in was it with Sherry Jacobus or whatever about yeah. anonymous people on Twitter. And then all these people freaked oh, on me. Right. You know, yeah, we're me like, too. you dick, you're just a blue check elitist. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm fine. Uh-huh. As, as Sherry was saying, with you being able to be on Twitter, read whatever you want. Yeah. Comment in certain ways in certain places. But or maybe there should just be a function where they can do whatever the hell they want, but I can push a button and say, nobody anonymous gets to comment on anything that I do. <laughs> that it has to be, you know, you have to have yeah. a real name and a real picture because the truth is, is that these, the, all these folks feel, it's almost like I really do. You, you know, I, I brought up Greenwald before he's another one. Have you yeah. ever been in, in, in his presence? Did you ever meet him before, Bob? No, I've never actually met him face to face. I've emailed, I've had conversations with him, but nothing uh, personally literally the personality of like of my flat screen TV that's turned off. <laughs> like, <Shit>. like, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. There's a reason the dude was going down to pick, to, to meet his 19 year old husband on a beach down there. Mm. And it's not because he has charisma. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that, is that, but he feels like a big tough guy on Twitter Yeah. because yeah. he could be, you know, then even though he's got his face, it's different. You couldn't stop him because, and, and you couldn't stop my aunt, the, the anti-vaxxer guy I brought up, but there's a lot of people like them who don't use their picture and don't use their, you know, don't use their real name mm. and they can do all sorts of stuff where they feel empowered to do. They would never dare do Yeah. yeah. otherwise. Mm. And I'm just saying like some of these things we're going to have to figure out. It's not easy. But, but there, there's no doubt that we are a more coarse uh, society. We are nastier because of social media, because people feel this freedom to behave in ways they would never dare behave in person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, I don't think it's all easily solvable. I'm not saying that, but I don't think we can keep letting it go down the road. It's going down. No, I mean, if we, I mean, if we've, we've looked at what's happened with with COVID, you think that you, what cry? I mean. You think we're going to solve the climate crisis? You think we're going to solve the crisis of gun violence in our society? I mean, what crisis are we going to be able to solve? Well, there's all sorts of independent players out there who know they can monetize, Mm -hmm. you know, histrionics and conspiracies and, you know, and threats and all the other stuff they do. Like, are are we going to ever be able to solve anything? 
Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger have both said they know of numerous Republicans who, who agree with them but are too scared to do anything because they're scared for their safety. <sighs> where do we think that's coming from? Right. It's people that, are, that can organize online and, and threaten them. And I mean, I'm sure they're getting all sorts of threats. It mm. probably scares them. And I'm not, I'm not making, by the way, I'm not accepting this as an excuse. That comes with the territory. You know, Martin Luther King, who lost his life for, for, for freedom, didn't sit down because he was getting threats. So I would say to you, if you're a congressman or senator and the heat's too much in the kitchen, get out of the kitchen. Right. Uh, you, you, if you're going to run for office, you owe us something, which is mm. you owe us courage. So don't think I'm connected. But I, but I will say clearly the, the level of vitriol, uh, what goes on and what we've allowed to happen on a cable, but even more so online, anonymously, has changed our society for the worse in those ways. And yep. we can't figure out big problems. So something's going to have to change. Well, here's something that just came down while we've been talking. God, I'd love to get your view on Kirsten Cinema right now, because I... Uh, I can't think of a single Democrat who actually likes Kirsten Cinema. Who actually says, you know what, Kirsten Cinema, she's actually doing a good job, Bob. You're being unfair to Kirsten Cinema. No one has said that to me. So now the news just came down that she does not support, yeah, big shock here. She does not support the current uh, Democratic $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill, the one that they were going to pass through reconciliation. She does not support it because of its price tag, because of the $3.5 trillion price tag. She's bought. I mean, yeah. is she not the, the perfect example of everything we've been talking about? Mm -hmm. This clownish figure who rose to prominence. <laughs> I sat on a panel with her at a yearly coast convention a decade ago. Oh, just wow. to give you an idea. So I've met her before. And the reason why she was on that panel, because she went around and, and built this huge social media following. She already had like a huge number of followers on Facebook and Twitter, even though she was just a state rep, you know, building this whole brand and this whole sort of thing about her. Huh. And, she, she uses that to leverage her way to the House and then the U.S. Senate. She's a she's a, I mean, in a way that I can say few, few people who are not Republicans yeah. are, she's an absolute fucking clown. She has no beliefs. Everything in her life is look at me, look at me, look at me. It reminds me of Ted Cruz or what, you know, or, or folks like that. She was literally, you know, uh, how long ago? A decade ago, half a decade ago, screaming, yelling about how we need to get rid of the filibuster. We'd never get a $15 minimum wage if we kept it and all this sort of stuff has completely switched on everything. Mm -hmm. She thinks she's a character out of the out of the show Shit's Creek. She's wearing a different fucking wig <laughs> and ridiculous, you know, light. I mean, she's like the mom, except for what's her name was hilarious. Right. This is of somebody who's a U.S. senator who shows up in these ridiculous. I mean, I'm sorry if anybody thinks I'm being sexist. Listen to how I talk about like seersucker suits that some of these idiots have worn on uh, who are men, you know, some of these southern men on the Republican side or whatever. I mean, equal opportunity. You've, if you have a clown yourself, you're a clown. Yes, all right? of course. Sorry. You, I don't care if you're a man or a woman or whatever you are. You come, if you have certain kinds of professions, one of them being there, you sort of adhere to certain sort of, you know, accepted practices. And one of them is you don't walk in the room with a different wig every day and a different ridiculously loud outfit just so people will look at you. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, treat the goddamn office with the respect it deserves, mm -hmm. you know? And, and like, so I'm not surprised at all yeah. because she literally is a social media creation. That's what she is. Like she'd never be there in the Senate if it weren't for that. She built this huge number of, of followers by going to all these events and demagoguing on this and that and the other thing. You know, it reminds me of fucking, you know, somebody else who got to help us if we get stuck with on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, just to show I'm not being biased against against uh, perceived moderates or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. conservative Democrats like cinema or leftists. But Nina Turner, who's also an absolute clown. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sorry, I know her from interactions. I had to deal with her when I worked for a, a top state official here. I've seen it on a, on a private level. I've seen it on a public level. She's ready for Hillary, and then, but, but like six months later, she's ready to join Jill Stein's ticket. Mm -hmm. She's whatever she needs to be on any given day. She's social media driven. She has no beliefs except for her narcissism. She's a fucking clown, and like you yeah. know, and like we have these figures wandering around. That is going to be the future if we don't figure out how to deal with this. That's our future. Like I mean, our entire Senate and House are people like that. She's been in the Senate for like five minutes, Cliff. Uh, where is Democratic yes. leadership pulling back on the reins and saying, hey, listen, you're the fresh. No, is Mark Kelly the freshman senator? Yeah, she came before he did. So he yeah. is, I think, Okay, even though he was filling in for someone. But it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You're right. She's brand Go new. Ahead. I mean, suffice to say, she's brand new. 
And where is Chuck Schumer to say, okay, look, you're being overzealous. You're overly asserting yourself here into the conversation. What you need to do is play as part of the team for now. And then maybe once you get reelected and show you have staying power here as part of the Democratic caucus on the Senate side, then you can start to step forward and, uh, you know, assert your power here, given that we're 50-50. I mean, I'm not necessarily a creature of the Senate, but I know enough to know. That if you're brand new in the Senate, you don't you aren't given any power. And when you try to take power, you are quickly snapped back. I mean, I could be totally wrong on this, but that seems like that's the that's the tradition over there. That's the way it was in the past, at least. You know, yeah. I mean, to me, I think I saw something the other day where 75 percent of uh, Arizona Democrats want somebody to primary her. <laughs> they, need to, they, they need again. I always try to say we can all just lose our shit and try to make apples and oranges into just apples, or we can analyze each situation, realize that there's there's emotion there. We're angry, but you still have to logically figure it out. Yeah. And so when people try to compare her to Joe Manchin, I've always said I don't think he's a clown. I think he's a jackass in a whole different way. I think he's a pompous ass, you know, who thinks he, you know a, a lot more of himself uh, than <laughs> than he should. Mm-hmm. But you know. He West Virginia, we're just we're never getting anything better than him. Yeah, it's West Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's a top five Republican state where oh, yeah. where in the same election Trump was winning it by like thirty eight points, and somehow Manchin found a way to hold on there. Now you may just say win enough senators if you can to say he's not worth it. The trouble that's fine if that's your view, but right now we need him. Yeah, you know what I mean. The difference I'm pointing out here is that Arizona is a state that's been trending to the left. It's not one that Joe Biden lost by 38 points or something. It's one that Joe Biden actually won first time a Democrat did since 96. Mm-hmm. It's it's they elected a Democratic secretary of state. They elected another Democratic U.S. senator. They elected a number of other statewide officials who are Democrats. It's got a huge minority population. It's moving to the left. There's simply no reason that you need to have a Kirsten Cinema from Arizona. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Cliff, I got to ask you about, uh, of course, the 1-6 Select Committee and the first day of testimony yesterday. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most infuriated, how angry did yesterday's testimony make you? Uh, roughly 47. <laughs> Good answer. That's ex- and accurate. I mean, yeah, yeah, me too. You know, I mean, like, and it, 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 it wasn't just a testimony. It was mm. the reaction by the clowns on the other side. It's you know, again, Laura Ingram then going on that night and, and mocking and handing out like Emmy type awards, yeah. acting like these were performances. These people, I mean, I, I said this on our podcast, you know, like there's very little that gets me angrier. You know, if you, if you see any, any, you know, infamous, famous, whatever you want to call it, like movie, you know, about the people leaving others behind in the field of battle for money. I was thinking I came up with like the wild geese. I don't know if you ever saw that. No, no. Um, uh, with Sir Richard Harris and Roger Moore, you know, and oh god, famous cast where mm-hmm. you know it's like a bunch of mercenaries, late seventies, early eighties movie. There've been others since then, but I used to watch that with my dad, so I think of that one. Yeah, you know, and the, the, you know, one group of mercenaries gets paid off to just leave the other guys basically to die. You know, the people that hired them. You know, with mm-hmm. that kind of a betrayal. That's what this feels like to me. Like these people, these these Capitol Police were literally giving their lives for you. Right. They were there. You Republican congressional fuckers. You they were there in hand to hand combat being stabbed, punched, gouged, sprayed, kicked, squeezed in between doors and the rest. You know, and they were doing all this and risking their lives and and suffering injuries. And they were doing it so that to, to save your lives. And your response to that now is to is is to to leave them on the field of battle, essentially kick them aside like garbage. Yeah. I, I just I can't even imagine anything more disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. If I try. And that's what I mean. There's so and much so, there's so much money in creating the disinformation and just trying to and this brings us back full circle in a sense and trying to monetize the, the demonization of the Capitol Police officers who were protecting the Article One powers. Make no mistake. And unflinchingly protecting the Article One powers. And yet oh, we're going to throw yeah. them under the bus anyway, because that's where the money is. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what Laura Ingram and her folks believe that will we'll get their, the you know, the, their viewers excited. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. Every one of these little, you know, these obnoxious douches on the right who has their own podcast or their own whatever, you know, we're saying the same thing. I mean, that that's the thing. Right. Is yep. like they don't care. So you can't again, when you see people do that, you realize 
you're not going to shame them into into be into us back into having a, a decent society because mm. these are people without shame. They simply they they crave power and they crave money, and and you know that's it. Yeah. And so you have to think what you can do when dealing with people like that to to make things better. Because so in any case, for me, it was incredibly powerful. Um, I think Kevin McCarthy is a complete moron. Mm-hmm. You know what will happen from this? It's hard to know. We, we've talked a million times before. The Republicans have invested a shit ton more money in their messaging machine than us. You know, and they're much more uh, they're they're much more disciplined about being on message. But I swear, if there's any time we should be able to just destroy them, you'd think it would be with this. I mean, yeah. I mean, both McConnell and McCarthy here, each of whom had chances um, to make sure they were Republicans there. You know, separating out our narrative, you know, and not, you know, not Jim Jordan, which would have just made things worse. They almost were saved by that. This clown that I think would have backfired mm. to every normal person who's not a maggot, yeah. you know, but like, but, the, but, to, but if they had, you know, your John Thunes or people like that sitting there, people that we know are right wing, you know, or have horrible politics, but come off like decent, thoughtful people. Yeah, they're so patriots. People, yeah, yeah. Right. And they at least come off that way to, to normal people who are watching. They could have had them asking sort of pressing questions and, and, and interrupting the narrative of what these officers were offering. And then Liz Cheney and Kinzinger and all the emotion. And they chose not to. So instead, it ended up being a devastating, uh, you know, kind of portrayal. Now, what difference it'll make, I guess, we're up to see. But, yeah. uh, you know, by by forfeiting and walking away, they're going to they're they're, they're going to they're going to lose the narrative. It's hard. Mm. They try not to. Any guests you guys are working on for the unprecedented podcast? A bunch. I don't want to give uh, no names, only in that like it's nobody who I think we've nailed down yet. But you know, we, we've got some cool ones. Hopefully, we had we had not that long ago we had Carvel on, which was pretty pretty awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. What was character. What, what was that like uh, coming from your end? I mean, was that just like jumping on a roller coaster? And I don't know where this goes, but <laughs> let's just hang on for dear life. Yeah, it, it was a lot like that. And as somebody who was growing up wanting to work in this field, like. He was, you know, he was obviously somebody who I, I knew of and had seen and, you know, and it was, and, you know, was, was, I'll admit when I was young, was even a little bit in awe of. Mm. And so it was just weird, but like he, he's as, he's as funny and crazy as, as you hear he is. I mean, it was definitely fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So that was a pretty cool interview. Um, you know, but, but we've got some, we've got some people we're talking to, but nobody that where I feel like we're, we know we're having mom that I would announce them yet. All right. Well, the podcast, the podcast, of course, is called. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how about that? Why not? I would love to come on your show one of these days. Back on. Yeah. There you go, folks. We're having Bob's now. He's agreed. (laughs) You cannot take it back unless he edits this out. So he's coming on. (laughs) Now you've caught my ulterior motive in having you on. The whole intention of today's show was to get you to invite me on your show. That was the whole point. Uh, the you pod- are a tricky bastard. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> is called the Unprecedented Podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash Unprecedented Pod and at SexyLiberal.com, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. It is your podcasting superstation. Thanks so much, my friend. I really appreciate you coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.